Hello folks, my name is Kenny Walker and you're listening to the Real and Road Podcast. Back in April this year, we heard from Ian Skinner, Office of Rail and Roads Head of Non-Mainline and Lead for Heritage Railway Safety, Steve Oates, Chief Executive of Heritage Railway Association, and Michael Proctor, Chairman of Allen Valley Railway in Northumberland. And I'm pleased to say we are joined by Ian, Steve and Michael once again, as we have taken the Rail and Road pod to Allen Valley Railway for the second part of our Heritage Special. There was absolutely a latent demand from the public to get out and about. Um, in fairness, not just the Heritage Railways, but out in the visitor economy generally. But the vast majority of Heritage Railways across the UK <clears throat> have been doing pretty well this year. We are happy with what the Heritage Railways have done. They've thought about it, they've developed the solutions, they've implemented them, and then they've started operation, from my perspective, safely. Nobody wants to work in, in, in a place where they're concerned that either they're not safe or, or that they're just patching things up and, and rather than actually doing things properly. So on the first episode we heard how COVID-19 impacted the heritage rail sector and how helpful guidance from the Office of Rail and Road had been and how important in bringing operations that they resume safely. So if we can bring in Michael first, Michael. First of all, thanks for having us along to Allen Valley Railway today and thanks for having us on one of the Pacer trains. We're actually, we're actually on it now, we're on the move. Can you just start things off by telling us how things have been since reopening? Well, we didn't reopen until the almost the end of June. Put an awful lot of effort into uh, preparations and in particular retraining all of our uh, train crew since it had been such a long time since we we last operated. One of the challenges I think for us and, and certainly an area where we benefit from being able to learn from the experience of other railways was how to keep people safe and separate while they're actually travelling on the trains. We're fortunate in that our Mark 1 stock is, is all compartment stock so we were able to keep each compartment down to a family but that proved to be quite challenging in itself. It meant that we had to introduce an advanced booking system and to make sure that we uh, sold our seats on a, on a different basis in order to um, to make sure that we, we keep people separate and safe. As you can see uh, we took delivery of uh, these Pacer trains at the end of December 2020 and we put an awful lot of efforts over the early months of, of 21 into reorganising the interior. So we've taken out all of the airline seating, we rearranged it into um, facing seating so it's much more suitable for family groups. Yeah, it's family, family friend and what you've done with the, the seating, see you've changed it from the like the cattle classes. Well, crucially, we've also put in partitions and signage so we have people enter from one door and, and leave through through another door. And like all other railways, we have had to um, institute cleaning in between each each service so that you know, all of the touch points are wiped down to assure that the, the compartments are, are clean and ready and then using a disinfectant fogger at the end of, of each day. Having said all of that, it's been absolutely fabulous to, to be back. It's been really encouraging the way that the visitors have come back to the railway, particularly on, on steam days when we've found that our trains have pretty much been fully booked before we, before we actually open for the, for the day. That's obviously operating with a slightly reduced capacity. As I said, we only have two coaches and that limits us to 12 compartments. That's 12 family groups on, on each, each train. However, 
it has been great to have people back on the railway and to see some buzz about the place. We've also been able to operate some of our normal programme of special events, which again have, have drawn in lots lots of extra visitors to, to the railway. So it's it's overall been a much better season than we could have hoped. And and Steve, as chief executive of the Heritage Railway Association, what are your thoughts on how the sector has reopened? I think I'd echo what Michael's just said actually. Um, there was absolutely a latent demand from the public to get out and about. Um, in fairness, not just the Heritage Railways, but out in the visitor economy generally. But the vast majority of Heritage Railways across the UK have been doing pretty well this year. Uh, in some cases, exceptionally well, with some railways reporting best ever months and best ever quarters and, and that sort of thing. A lot of railways reopen from step two. We're going right back to April, April the 12th, then others open from step three, and the final few sort of came in from June, July onwards. Virtually all are now reopened. Some are having to put on extra services because there is such demand there. Uh, events are very much to the fore. But again, as Michael said, all done in a very safe and cautious manner. So with a number of the restrictions still in place um, in heritage, heritage coaches and around stations and so on, it's, it's become a bit more challenging actually for some of the operating teams and some of the platform staff and so on because you know there's still various queuing systems in place and uh, procedures for boarding trains and alighting from trains and so on. But overall, actually 2021 remarkably is is a first class first class season so far. So we'll bring in Ian. Ian, so we've heard from Michael and Steve. So how do you think the sector has has done, and do you think it's reacted as positively as, as both the guys have said? Yeah, I, I think they have. I think Elm Valley is a good example of how Heritage Railways responded to the challenge of COVID, in that they looked at what their capabilities were and what their capabilities weren't, and then from that they made a decision. Now in Elm Valley's case, they decided to delay coming back into operation, but many railways went through that same process. But what was characteristic, I think, of all the heritage railways was that they were dynamic and agile and they were able to think, how can I interpret the guidance coming out of HRA and Steve and coming out from ourselves? How can I make that fit my operation? And then because they are small and they have access to talented people, they can then adjust the service accordingly. So as we look at this pacer, you can see what Michael has done to make it COVID secure, to make it COVID safe, through doing things that on the main line might take them a long time to design, to specify, to install. Michael's done that quickly, which is a good part of the heritage sector. So in general, we are happy with what the heritage railways have done. They've thought about it, they've developed the solutions, they've implemented them, and then they've started operation, from my perspective, safely. A recent nationwide campaign, Love Your Railway, spearheaded by the North Yorkshire Moors Railway, went some way to shine a spotlight on not only the important work Heritage Railways do with regards to conservation, education, research, but highlighted how they've all been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of reduced capacities and income. Before we speak again to our guests, let's hear from some of Allen Valley's staff about what Heritage Railways mean to them. I like restoring things and making things that don't work, work. Um, and it's quite a challenge and the uh, I think the you know I came to the railway industry or the heritage industry with no knowledge really of railway coaches and I've learned so much and I think that's one of the beauties of working on a heritage railway you, you, you learn so much and you also work with quite a good gang of people and you you achieve things you can see things running you can see the smile on the faces of the public when they get in coaches or when they look at a locomotive and that's what I like about it. 
I've had a railway background all my life. My father used to work on the railway, so basically when I was a kid, we got dragged from one head of the trailway to another. And I've always wanted to work on a head of the trailway, be a volunteer. And about 10, 12 years ago, when we used to live in Longhorton village near here where the Yell Valley Railway had a base, my wife one day said, why don't you go and join that bunch at the other end of the railway? So, which has got two advantages. One of them is that actually doing what I enjoy doing. Um, and I can blame the wife because it was her that told me to go. So it's it's just the, the fun. It's enjoying doing different things, um, the camaraderie, working with other people. Um, and I think one of the best things I ever did was we were playing with a, a 360 digger one day. And this little kid came up and he just sat there for 10, 15 minutes and sat and watched. And he had the biggest smile on his face. And it's just seeing these little kids, they are our future, hopefully, railway people in the future, coming to us, having a look and just enjoying themselves. And that's what brings up us, is, is being, seeing all the visitors coming along. Just heard some wonderful comments from uh, some Allen Valley railway staff. And um, have you anything to add, Michael, just in, on the back of, obviously, the campaign that ran? I think we're, we're fortunate in the heritage railway sector that we, we have access to so many enthusiastic people you know, who, who, from our point of view, we're entirely run by, by volunteers. And, um, so we're, we're entirely reliant on people wanting to come here and get their hands dirty and, and uh, crawl around in the steam engines. Or, or, uh, uh, and, and it's everything from that to you know doing the office work and, and working in the cafe and the shop and, and, and otherwise. Um, I think as a entirely volunteer-run railway, yes, it poses us challenges because you can't always fill vacancies that, that you've got. Uh, but people's enthusiasm and commitment to what they're doing, I think, is, is second to second and it's, uh, it's great to see, you know, arrived here this morning in an absolute downpour and there were people all over the site trying to do things. And uh, you know, it, it's it's just a, a huge enthusiasm. It's it's really down to people like that that we have heritage railways. And Stephen, all the Heritage Railway Association were a big advocate of the Love Your Railway campaign. Um, how successful was it? Oh, I think it was massively successful. It ran for six weeks, end of July into early September, and the majority of Heritage Railways got behind it. It was inspired by the North York Moors Railway and spread out across the whole the whole of the UK. And what it did, it, as, as Michael said, I mean, it inspired volunteers and, and personnel who work within the railways. It inspired them to say, actually, yeah, we love our railways. Let's make sure Joe Public does as well. And sure enough, they did. And it generated a lot of extra PR and publicity in national media as well. There were articles in national press, television, radio, masses of stuff online and so on. And it was really interesting to see members of the public visiting railways, perhaps going back to my earlier comment, which, you know, helps swell numbers. Uh, members of the public saying, well, um, well, we've heard about the campaign and actually we've not visited this railway before, so we, we've popped along to this one. And it was, a, yeah, it, was a, it was a really good campaign. I've got a feeling it may run each summer, actually, because you know, it's a great boost for all of those people who keep the Heritage Railways going. You know, we've got 22,000 volunteers across the sector, 4,000 members of staff. So there's a lot of people uh, involved. 
and currently Heritage Railways attract about 13 million people. So with campaigns like that, if we can keep swelling those numbers, then, then that's all to the good. And I'm sure people listening to this podcast who haven't really much experience with the Heritage Railway sector, that, that figure of 13 million visitors is it'll be a bit of a shock. I think that's a lot more than... Uh, some people would expect. And obviously, these campaigns can only help improve well, on that. Absolutely, and and you know, heritage railways have always been been popular. And yeah, it's interesting you say that because I use that that figure. I mean, those are, those are figures collected from our members. We we total it total it all up. Um, for example, you know the work I have to do with the HRA. You know, sometimes I'm talking to politicians. I'm talking to the media. I'm talking to the regulator. I'm talking to you guys. Um, and uh, and actually, to be able to say we're important. 13 million people want to come and visit us. We've got 4,000 members of staff. We're worth nearly half a billion quid in, in economic uh, impact. Those are quite powerful numbers. And it actually sets us up very well against other parts of the visitor economy and the cultural uh, and, and heritage economy. And actually beyond that, when you take certainly the steam icons, which actually don't really come into those figures when you see some of the, the giants of steam, everybody knows Flying Scotsman. I mean, Flying Scotsman is a national... In fact, it's an international icon. Um, goodness, what is the value of that? You know, when that's, I mean, it's in Norfolk at the moment, I think, as we speak, but it's made its way for various railways and so on. And when it's on the main line, when it's at a heritage railway, it's always popular. And there are other, other locomotives like that. So again, that also swells the interest. And um, yeah, there is, there is a fondness for, for, for heritage railways they've grown and grown and grown in, 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 um, uh, in, in sort of in their attractiveness you know since starting 70 years ago this year it was 1951 when the first heritage railway in the world uh, commenced going from uh, growing like success to success by the sounds of it so we're currently at Lanhart station where Alan Valley has delivered a number of safety improvements Michael, can you tell us what you've done to improve some of the safety on the site? Well, I think we, we started really um, with a very negative report from, from the ORR in uh, really just the summer of last year. It seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> and you know, whilst that was hard to take, I, th I think it, was, um, it gave us a, a very good route map of, of the areas where we needed to, uh, to focus. Uh, I think probably the the biggest issue is, has has been cultural, really, and, and we, we have made well, there have been many changes to the leadership of, of the organisation, and, and we have put safety as being you know, of paramount importance. Um, so it is at the centre of what, of what we do and, and, and how we do things. I think you know, the first part was to start with start working through all of the things that we knew were wrong and, and, and how, to, uh, how to sort sort them out. But by far the most important, I think, is, is, is being instilling in people that we do not do anything unless it is safe to do and that we think about things before we, um, before we sort of launch into, in, into doing them. And I think you know, um, the example of how we brought the, the, the paces into operational use has been a very sort of good example of that where Norman here you know, managed a very detailed and comprehensive program that looked at all of the all of the things that we needed to do to be able to do it do it safely. I think the, the, the 
biggest bit of good news really is, is the, the sense in which people have responded very positively to um, to that you know nobody wants to work in, 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 a, in a place where they're concerned that either they're not safe or, or that they're just patching things up and, and rather than actually doing things properly and, and hopefully you've got the feel of that from seeing and talking to, to some of our volunteers around so we've, we've sort of got through the deficiencies in, in our, our safety operation then we sort of focused on right how do we open safely and, and, and operate over the over the summer we're now at the stage where we're looking at okay we've got good foundations now but we need to actually consolidate on that and put in place um, yeah, a number of additional measures to, to actually make sure that we have a sustainable um, a, approach to uh, to safety that is built into the way that we do things rather, rather than being an add-on or, or something that people try to find ways around which sadly has been the case at other points in the in the past. I don't know if you want to bring Mark and, and Norman in here because they they probably have more to say on 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 the matter. I th- I think the 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 biggest thing for me from a safety point of view is having that top cover. Um, you know, I can go to any of the senior managers now and I'll be listened to and taken seriously. Uh, and that that's been the biggest thing. And obviously going to the likes of, of Norman, who's now our general manager. We'll discuss things and we'll see things through if there is an issue that needs to be dealt with. And obviously from the tour that we've just done today, you can see the safety measures in practice. So um, thanks again for for the the hospitality you've shown. ORR's recent annual health and safety report on Britain's railways found that the heritage sector continues to demonstrate enthusiasm to manage their operations safely and bring back in Ian. Ian, would you say that's correct? Yeah, I'm yet to go to any heritage railway site where there's not an enthusiasm to learn and to improve and to manage safely even better than what they're currently doing. And coming back to where we are today in Alm Valley, they are a great example of growth over the last 15 months. When I came here 15 months ago to meet a few of the volunteers and discuss where could they go next, I think they would reflect themselves they weren't in a good place. And when we come back here now, they are in a much stronger place. You just walk into this building and feel the environment, feel the culture of the volunteers who are here at lunchtime. And that comes back to the point that we put front and centre of our RM3 heritage topic set, which is about leadership and governance. Leaders having clear expectations of where they want to go and giving people the enthusiasm, the energy and the capability to then follow them on that direction. And we're seeing that today. We heard it from everyone we've spoken to. So I think praise to Michael and his top team. They've done very well. Thanks, Ian. There was no heritage uh, railway workforce fatalities in 2020, 2021, and that's making it nine years now without um, any workforce fatalities, thankfully. Steve, does this stat show just how safe the, the sector is? It shows it's a safer sector. We're never complacent, never should be complacent, never will be complacent. But yeah, it's obviously terrific to be able to report that sort of stat. Um, no one wants the horror of, of that sort of eventuality. And it is this constant progress. And what's been really interesting just from those last few comments, there's some key words have come out there, things like leadership, culture, professionalism. These are all the areas where I think between us all, um, whether it's the HRA, the ORR, individual heritage railways, we're all working on those areas. And, and really reassuringly, um, after via the ORR and Ian and myself working together 
to um, help put RM3 um, in place across Heritage Railways. You know, what is number one on the RM3, the, the, the main uh, document and the uh, Heritage Rail Topics Act? It's leadership and governance. It starts at the top, and that message is very firmly getting through. Still some way to go, you know, with a, with a number of, of members and, and so on, but it's all about just lifting that professionally, li lifting the seriousness of, of what we're doing in actually what is a fun, leisure, entertaining environment. Um, and we have to balance that. But, you know, safety is paramount. Getting the standards right is, is, is paramount. Um, so it's still work in progress, but my goodness, there's been some progress, which is terrific. If I can think back, not trying to put you on the spot here, but towards the end of our previous podcast that we did earlier in the year, we asked, what do you like to see from the sector in a year's time? So that was only six months ago. So just to remind you, Steve, you said you wanted to see lots of visitors with great governance and run safely. Michael, you said you wanted to see more sharing of ideas and learning between railways. And Ian, you said you wanted to see further collaboration too. So as a kind of a halfway report, now we're six months in, have your thoughts changed or are they still the same? And we'll start with Michael. No, I think my thoughts haven't changed. In fact, they've probably got stronger. I think that there, there is a very real opportunity and, and, and I, I hope that maybe Steve and the HRA might might be able to sort of help facilitate more of that, I think, to, to be able to be share and learning um, and ideas and, and skills between Heritage Railways. I mean, well, speaking earlier on before um, some, some of you arrived, Ian and I were, were talking about one, one of our big challenges is, is the lack of, of, of steam drivers. And, and because we've got few, relatively few stream drivers, it takes a long time to train anybody because we can't put steam on very, very often. So being able to, there must be some way, I'm sure other heritage railways suffer exactly the same problem, there, there must be some way that collectively uh, we can make use of, of expertise from elsewhere to, to actually turn up the, the pace at which we're able to actually get that, that things like that done. But, but also sharing standards, sharing, um, you know, if you look at maintenance standards or, or whatever field you, you look at, we're all attempting to uh, to work out how to do these things for ourselves, you know. If you, if you look at coaches, our, our primary document comes from British Rail, and, you know, those were standards that were um, for operating at 100 miles an hour, and, and so everyone has to interpret them in terms of what's appropriate. Would it not be better if we actually had a took a joint approach to that and, and had a, you know, th this is these are the the maintenance standards that everybody should be should be using. So I think there's a, a great opportunity to um, to do much more of that, and and I think we're at a point, um, and maybe the big big boys in, in, in the heritage railway um, game don't feel that it's necessary to do that, but I think there are a lot of other smaller or, or newer railways that would really benefit from, from being able to collaborate and learn from each other. Thanks very way. much, Michael. And any steam drivers listening, uh, the Allen Valley needs you. <laughs> so I will go to you, Steve. I've had a pretty good summer. So, yeah, my dream of six months ago seems to have come true uh, from that respect, and long may that continue. And actually the signs are that as we go through the winter, you know, into the Christmas period, through the winter period, and peering ahead into 2022, it's estimated, predicted that staycation will still be prevalent. So, yeah, with a fair wind, 2022 will be good as, as well. But actually, 
yeah, I am going to expand on what I said last time and going to pick up on, on what Michael said, and I'm sure Ian will reflect this as well, because actually it is now moving into a more serious world of, of standards. Um, the HRA has an operating and safety committee, which has provided a lot of guidance and some have verged on being standards for certain things just before COVID hit. Actually, on the subject of Mark 1 coaches, a lot of work got underway and effectively all became suspended because of, because of COVID, people being furloughed. And then when they came back, it was all hands to the pump to, to keep the, the railways operational. Um, and what that has shown really is there needs to be perhaps a more formal and formatted approach to standards. So the HRA, through a, a team of, of people, have scoped out a Heritage Rail Safety and Standards Board. Um, and it's important we try and get that in place. Of course, the magic thing about it is requiring funding. And I know Ian will probably want to comment um, more on that. But the Heritage Rail sector is the only part of the rail industry which doesn't have its own Safety and Standards Board and Heritage Rail does have its own peculiarities and unique uh, ways of operating and so on. It operates 25 miles an hour, it's operating heritage stock and, and so on. There is commonality across a lot of Heritage Railways. Like Michael, I'd just like to see a lot more sharing of, of ideas. I, I actually think a number of the larger operators are happy to share, they do want to share. Um, they've got their own operations to run, so actually if we can do it through a, perhaps a more um, processed and formatted approach through a safety and standards board then then all to the good so yeah if we're looking if we're peering ahead 12 months i'd like us to be pretty well down the road to having a heritage rail safety and standards board on the way to being established and the, and the finance in place and that will be an enormous asset to the heritage rail sector and in fact to the her to the, to the rail sector generally and for the final words ian Gosh, I said six months ago, collaboration. Many things I want the heritage sector, but I think collaboration sums it all nicely together. It draws together what Michael's been talking about. And gosh, we've seen many examples today in Allen Valley where collaboration has helped them to get to where they are today. Steve has talked about the Heritage Rail Safety and Standards Body as a body that would help drive forward collaboration. The heritage sector is made up of over 200 railways who all have their own individual expertise. Let's get some system to pull that together so that we have a common idea on what good looks like and a common methodology to roll that out to everyone within the heritage sector. Safety management systems should be the focus of how you manage safety in the railway. We need to help everyone get better at making sure that that helps them manage risk properly. And a safety and standards body would help with that. I know the HRA, ourselves and government are in discussions about how that should be funded. And I hope personally that, like Steve, we get some resolution on that soon. So at least the heritage sector know where they're going next. But in the other sector that didn't have a safety and standards body till recently, the light rail sector, they created their version, the light rail safety and standards body. And that has brought new benefits to their sector in terms of collaboration and cooperation and a better understanding of risk. I hope we can achieve the same thing in the heritage sector. Thanks, Ian. And on that note, that's all we have time for today and brings to a close the second part of this Heritage special. Thanks to Michael, Norman and Mark from Allen Valley Railway, Steve from the Heritage Railway Association and Ian from ORR. It's been great to have visited Allen Valley Railway today and thanks again to the Railway for hosting the Rail and Road Pod. Until next time, goodbye.